1: Couple of days as we record this program and that we were just saying before we came to that. And aus- auspicious number, show number one hundred and thirty-three. Can you believe it? Wow. That's a lot of shows. That's awesome. That's about three and a half
0: times my highest ever batting score when I was twelve.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but not only have you got 133 shows on Radio Kidnappers, um you've also celebrating five years in the Hawks Bay today. Yeah, Hawks Bay today with the you know the same title, Canny View. Yeah. And yeah,
0: so five years of writing. So we just celebrated that. It's amazing when, um, when we we're asked to start writing a column, and they said, "You know, would you like to write a column?" And I said, "Yeah, hap- yeah, monthly would be good." Yeah. And they said, "No, no, we need, um, we need weekly." And I, <laughs> and, and I said, "Oh, come on, can't we meet in the middle and go fortnightly?" And they said, "No, we've got a slot because if you take one Saturday, we well, have to fill the other Saturday to do you know the yeah. biweekly." And they said how about you just give it a go yeah and,
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> might be yeah a yes still doing it <laughs> yeah. and, and i suppose people think that oh, well you have to run out of juice but i mean it's like no. uh, repeating yeah. the message you, you cannot hear the message enough can you yeah correct correct and look there's just so much happening i mean look, i'm going to talk about a few bits and pieces today
0: and there's just there's just so much material i mean like for example he's just a couple little sound bites over the last week so you know the uh here we go the um Venezuela just released a new currency last week, and they just chopped off six zeros wow. off the former of notes. <laughs> you know, like, interesting stuff like that, and then you've got, you know, a little metric in and um, stuff last week. There are currently more real estate agents on the register than there are houses for sale. Wow, that's
1: unbelievable. So,
0: that's, that's incredible. Now, that either means we have a massive undersupply of housing, which, yeah, which could be, or we probably have a few too many agents. Now that could also be true. Yeah. But but you know, the, the one thing I can tell you, some people are going to starve. Yeah, I bet. Because um, you know, 80-20, good old Pareto, the yes, uh, the indeed. Italian, you know, the gardener who found yeah. that, you know, you know, um, you know, 20% of the vegetables produce 80% of the crop. Um is that you'll find that you know, Pareto is alive. The Pareto principle is alive and well with
1: most professions, including real estate agents. Oh, Mitch, on sure it is. And uh, I won't mention their name, but uh, I'm always singing this real estate agent <laughs> song that's, on, that's advertised. Oh, yeah. And uh, we went there to see a house uh, coincidentally, yes. and my wife said to the agent, said, my husband is always singing your ad. And, uh, and I said to her, and that's a sign of a good ad. That is a
0: sign of a good ad. Yeah, catchy enough and just, to, just to a touch annoying, but not enough to yeah, want to make you turn, exactly. turn the radio off.
1: And that agent, by the way, is one of the top agents in Hawke's Bay.
0: Wow. But yeah, well, eighty twenty Pareto. Yeah. There it is. Absolutely. Yep.
1: Now, today we're going to talk about something which we can probably all relate to, and uh, you've got your views on it. And uh, it's how to stop fighting about money, because who hasn't thought about money in a relationship at one stage or another?
0: Exactly. And look, you know, we know that um, – you know, a lot of people kind of um, skirt around the edges of it. But um, the fact is that um, too much or too little of money, you know, money, you know, basically buys you choices. Yes. And the interesting thing is that some people's choices are have a greater price tag or quantum than others. So, you know, a lot of people say, what's the right number? How much cash do you need? You know, what does a couple need? Well, it depends on the couple. Yeah, of course. It depends on their preferences, their choices, their desires, their objectives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the fact is, the one thing we know from people, and this is around you know that kind of behavioural finance, and um, you can read a number of surveys about it, is that when people talk about the breakdown of a relationship, in the top three are money problems. Yep. Um, and that, and that's really you look. It's sad, but it's just it's a known fact.
1: And in those notes that you sent mm. me kindly before uh, we came to air. It's interesting to see that the eighteen to thirty-four age group reported the highest degree of relationship strain due to money. But I wonder, Nick. I mean, mm. you know, you're an expert in your field. Um, what would you suggest to people who are coming together, perhaps looking at a long-term relationship? How do you actually sit down and say to someone, "Let's set some financial goals"? And what do you, what would you suggest those goals might actually be?
0: <coughs> um. Well, I th- well, look. Look. The first thing I think is um, is to have an open discussion around transparency. Um, you know, there are a lot of people I meet that still have segregated yeah. accounts. Um, they don't really understand what's going into the pot. Um, and if without transparency, without understanding, it's very, very hard to understand actually what's going on. Um, you know, be like you know, taking you know, we'll go back to that cricket analogy earlier. I mean. You could have the greatest cricketer in the world, but if you blindfold the individual, they're probably not going to play that well. Yeah, that is a good know. analogy. Yeah, yeah. and um, so look, you know, th- that transparency is the key because no matter how much you define the goals and the objectives, if you're not prepared to share and be open and transparent with one another, you know, you're you starting, you're building a house on sand. Um, now, the interesting thing around those metrics there, just around those, those um, age group, the cohorts, you're generally finding that you know a lot of people because they are very very different than say my generation or your generation, Ken, where um, people got married at a younger age. And today, a lot of people don't get you know they don't get married mm. at all. Um, they might have a civil union, um, but what we're finding is a lot of people do have segregated accounts um, because of that, and a lot of people kind of run a kind of solo approach, and it's very very difficult that if they do that and they're not committed and they're not prepared to be transparent and share, it is going to make things more difficult. And yes, there will be more monetary problems. Mm. Um, Hey, it's not so bad if both people earn the same amount of money and have similar desires in terms of spending habits and the quantum of those habits. But typically, that's not the case. People are different. Mm -hmm. So there are going to be different constraints. Um, But certainly the most successful people that we see in this area, you know, they run things together. Yeah. Um, they have full knowledge and understanding, and and um, and they plan together, and that's the key. Because as I said before, it's not a question of how much the goals are, or the objective, or the time horizon. It's just the fact that if they're discussed, because when you discuss things, you can um, you can alter the course. Uh, you can say, you know, is it realistic? Mm. You know, is this actually affordable? Can we actually do this? Will this affect our um, personal freedoms, our family? But but if you have none of those things, you, 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 um, you're in the dark. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, you're saying, you know, God will provide. Yeah. You know, you're going to be, you know, at the mercy of the weather. Yeah.
1: Is that a common scenario that you come across, separate accounts? Because I, I remember a few years ago, well, I, well even my, within my own family, that my dad used to get paid in the good old days you know, a little brown envelope. Yeah. He used to come home and give it to mum. And uh, she looked after the finances, and uh, much the same in our house. That of course now it's all direct credit, but the money goes into our account, and <laughs> that's uh, right. The boss takes care of it all, and I yeah. think wow, well, yeah, whatever she's doing, she's yeah. she's <laughs> obviously yeah. doing it well. But is that a scenario that you would recommend to someone? I mean, yeah, and I know there's a disparity that you know you might be the CEO, uh, getting a hundred thousand dollars a year, and uh, I might be getting thirty thousand dollars a year, and there between us we've got one hundred thirty thousand yeah. dollars. But have we got sixty five each or? Is that attitude? Hang, hang on! I've got a hundred. You've got thirty,
0: uh, No, yeah. Um, the the most successful outcomes we see are those where it's blended, yeah, and and it's shared and isn't you know, it's it's very very open. Um, but as I was saying, you know, uh, the younger generation generally do have more segregated accounts than we've seen with the next cohort up and the cohort above them. Um, <clears throat> and when when I think about think to back to my um, late uh, grandparents that now passed away. I remember my my grandma I used to run the accounts and literally you know the cash would come in and I remember staying in Palmerston with them they lived at Terrace Inn by the hospital um, in one of those quarter acre sections built mm-hmm, at the end yes. of World War two etc you know the old classic. yeah and um, and there was a jar and it, so, so there was a jar for every type of expense so yeah. there was um, uh, there was a telephone bill there was the power bill there was the rates bill and then there was other other spending, and there was a jar with physical cash in each one, mm. and that is—I mean, <laughs> yes. can't be any more transparent no, than you that. Cannot be. Yeah, and uh, so I, yeah, I often I often think about that because that was a very very uh, easy way for someone to understand that you actually can't spend more than you earn. Yeah. yeah,
1: physically in <laughs> a jar, looking at you, and that's not a bad way to to run your life, is it?
0: Yeah, correct. Well, look, we we know that you know companies, trusts, individuals, uh, anyone that um, spends within their means, there's just not as many problems. No, but if you spend beyond your means um, for a period of time, then you know, and you're borrowing um, either long or short, because of course, if you're and you know, like if you're borrowing on overdraft or credit card, then it's going to cost you a lot of money in the form of interest yeah um we know that that adds a huge amount of um constraint to individuals and look we're seeing this at the moment um we're seeing this during this um the you know the covid period and i don't know about you but you know look i talk to my friends that are in lockdown where we're not they're doing it they're doing it tough yes they are now i don't know how they're doing in, t- I, I, in terms of friends I, I don't always ask my friends how they're doing financially mm. but i'll ask them how they're doing mentally and um But you just know that some people that are employed in certain areas where those sectors, the revenue is zero. Yes. You know that they'll be on a much reduced wage, and yet um, their obligations to keep their family going really haven't dropped that much.
1: I was watching on uh, Sky News on the weekend, and they were doing an interview uh, in England of a bit of a cross-section of the English Society. Hmm. And uh, they are now even food poor. Yes. They can't pay the rent. They can't pay the power. Can't hardly get um, petrol. Uh, They've just got no idea when the next money is coming in for them to uh, you know, to survive. It's you all, know, all about um, survival. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, look, um, you know, Ken. A lot of us in New Zealand
0: we talk about the fact the cost of housing uh, and the cost of you know not only of buying a house and then servicing the mortgage or renting. So whether you're a renter or a homeowner, you've got a fiscal burden. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's there. It's known. It's coming. Um, but in the United Kingdom and and um, and in Europe, you know, you've got this. You, they have an energy crisis at mm, the moment, yeah, and it's it's really vast. We're not really seeing it here as of yet, but it is coming. So you know, if you look at the price of coal, the price of coal's increased by about two hundred percent. Oil is now, you know, what is it? Um, near on ninety dollars US a barrel. Mm. Well. Um, Two years ago, they couldn't give it away. No, that's You pretty, remember yeah. when, the, yes. when, when the Russians and the Saudis had that, had that um, basically standoff, um, the compensation given to oil producers was less than the cost of extracting it from the ground. Mm. Well, boy, how things have changed. <laughs> they what? And so at the moment, you've got this um, – and I'm just uh, – there was a term that I read, and it was um, – I will find it, and I'll, if I can think about it, I'll bring it up later yeah. in the show, but there was a particular term that they're using in Europe at the moment, and it's um, it's pretty stark because the um, <coughs> the cost of energy is now seriously eating into the discretionary spending, uh, and, and a lot of people, you know, look, we're coming up for winter in Europe. I mean, here we are, Sunday this yeah. week in Hawke's Bay, it's forecast to be blue sky on Saturday 22 degrees blue sky on Sunday 24 degrees I mean talking you mm. know you know Ken you better roll your Hawaiian shirt your um, <laughs> I've <gotten> Havana Havana <laughs> straw hat and your board shorts whereas in
1: Europe they are heading into winter with record energy prices and a reported that energy crisis in China as well which is going to you know, affect the whole world isn't it um
0: yeah well they are they're talking about that um, in China at the moment they've got some brownouts so mm. uh, where um, you have an overloaded grid. So you've got not sufficient uh, electricity is coming into the grid um, versus the needs and requirements. So you've got um, factories are unable to um, run at full capacity because they there is simply not enough energy or electricity in the system.
1: Who would have thought that would happen in our lifetime?
0: Uh, true, but although there were some commentators that were warning that when the world... Um, started shutting down coal and nuclear uh, and saying that our renewables was the way, the fact that, that some commentators were saying we're shutting these things down too quickly yeah. because there's not enough renewables yet to meet the offset well, I, you, know, I, you know, personally I didn't see that happening for yeah. a little while but here we are, we're only about 24 months in and, you know, Houston we have a problem.
1: Yeah, I, I, indeed and I agree with you entirely you know, and here we are not producing our own coal, but we're importing more coal than we've never done in our lives, um, which is a good segue in to mm-hmm. our next thing yep. that we're going to talk about, and that is the risk of investing in individual stocks and countries because what you've just been talking about is quite significant in investment worlds, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. And, and look, there's a lot of people that get really excited about um, single sectors, single stocks. I mean, we had it in the 1980s where a lot of people bet the farm on Japan. Mm. You know, you may recall that most schools were talking about that uh, Japanese was going to be taught in the school. Yeah. That uh, yeah. Japan, the um, and the business culture, and you know the um, you know Japanese empire, so to speak, um, you know, was going to rise again, and and then it didn't. But the fact is that their index, their stock market, um, their stock market is still not back to where it was back then, mm. because it reached such giddy heights, and that. You know, here we are, all that period of time later, and it's still not back to where it was. So that was a single sector, single country-specific uh, investment that people took, and it didn't pay off. Um, some people did uh, a couple of years ago, went long on China, mm-hmm. uh, thinking that China's GDP was going to grow really, really well. But unfortunately, there's a slightly de- there's a slight decoupling between what happens with stock market returns and what a country's GDP is doing. And in China, that's very, very apparent because a huge portion of the Chinese uh, business sector is um, has state interests, um, and we're seeing that at the moment. Where um, you know you're seeing that there are um, the curbing of civil liberties, um, and the basic uh, kind of kind of like the decloring of the business sector, yeah. where you've got some of these very successful businesses are being stymied, um, and that's you know pretty public yeah yeah
1: what happened to those investments of the good old days uh again you probably can't remember because you're <laughs> too young but um the 80s and 90s you know everyone was investing in goats and in deer <laughs> and a kiwi fruit well, and in some respects forestry what well, happened to um, those
0: well well kiwi fruit's actually done really well yeah. if
1: you could if you could wait out the the
0: storm there for a period of time where it was pretty gnarly but they've certainly done exceptionally well um well the goats the goats haven't done so well. Everyone doing goats, weren't they? In terms of uh, you know, uh, fleecing the goat, so to speak, and um, but the, uh, many of the goats are still there. You've only got to take a trip to Gisborne and you see them on the side of the road, <laughs> and many of those are the legacy of the uh, goat breeding farming industry yeah. of the 1980s, and unfortunately, that was it just never panned out, and um, yeah, and I guess New Zealanders on average. We might go and have a little bit of goat with an Indian curry yes. for the adventurous, uh, but most of us, um, you know, you know, goat farming, goat farming is a fringe activity. Yeah, I mean, there are some people that are, are uh, very successful with uh, goat milk, yeah. um, but, look, it was it was not quite as bad as the... that There was a company in the 1980s that was um, listed in those halcyon days where you could uh, basically float an idea and... Um, Excuse the pun, but to float means to list on the stock exchange. Um, so you would float an idea, and there was a, a possum fur trading company
1: that was yep. listed for a very short period of time, just prior to the market falling out of bed. I wonder, though. I mean, if you did, if if you just stick with goats and deer for the yes. time being, yeah. You think, and I would possibly think this way because I'm a bit naive, but I think well, goats, deer, everyone's got to eat. You know not not thinking uh, internally I, I would be thinking sort of uh, globally that uh, there's yes. millions of people out there and they all want to eat why wouldn't they want to eat my deer meat so well you uh, know and, and I think okay I'm gonna I'm gonna invest the house on it yeah well y- yeah you could but um,
0: but the fact is you've got with deer um, New Zealand's consumption of deer as I understand it domestically is actually quite shallow mm-hmm. there's not a lot of it consumed uh, whereas we export most of it and if you look at what's happening with the export, uh, markets, the cost of containerization or those refit containers that you see, see sitting um, parked at um, Pandora, um, Ahuriri, mm-hmm. you see them all there. Well, the cost of renting and utilizing one of those to ship offshore, the cost is absolutely prohibitive now. So the margin to the farmer, because ultimately there are two people affected. So when the cost of shipping increases, and I'm not, and I'm talking, it's not just, it's, Biblical, the amount that it's increased by in yes. terms of the cost of uh, sending a refrigerated container—that's if you can even get one—and then you've got the delay in shipping at the moment. So look, all of that, but let's just talk about the cost. So ultimately, either the consumer's going to pay, or the farmer's going to get less.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. And so at the moment, you've got a lot of people where actually they look overseas and they say, "Well, you know, here is my widget. I used to be able to produce it for a dollar and sell it for a dollar five. And, I'd, and that you know, that five cent margin was sufficient. Well, now two times that margin has been gollowed, gobbled by uh, shipping and distribution and logistic costs. So ultimately, the farmer needs to produce it for less, or they need to pass it across to the consumer at a far greater cost. So then people, that, so then you're trying to you're selling your venison to your um, German consumer, and the German consumer goes, I really really like that New Zealand venison, the deer meat, but. But it's just gone up by, like, 15%, 20%, mm. and I just, you know, I can buy an alternative at a cheaper cost. So you can kind of see some of the yeah, constraints. Sure. It's not just as simple as, like, the world is hungry. Let's feed the world. The fact is we are at the bottom of the planet, and at the present time, many of the shipping lines they are just not interested in coming here.
1: I told you I was naive. <laughs> but I, I just wonder, I mean, the whole program is for being a bit on the downside right. i don't see no, too no, much no, positive in that where is the light at the end of the tunnel
0: um well eventually um okay if you and i were to go out and try and build a ship today it'll take about two years to get it online hmm. minimum and that's with no like major covid yeah. bloody disruptions and all that's those right. things because as you know as you would know if you're trying to build a house at the moment they give you a, a one-year time frame if you have a lockdown well, it'll be yeah longer and longer and longer and more expensive. Right. So, but anyway, look, um, we know that there are ships coming online, but they take a period of time. Um, it's a little bit like the United States in World War II. You know, they got the production of ships and frigates and corvettes down to a very, very narrow period. But there was still a delay. Mm. Even when they were at a pure war footing, the, the cost and time of and production of producing a ship took time. We've got exactly the same right now with shipping. Shipping companies are making an extraordinary amount of money and profit at the current time. They would love to have more ships, but one cannot click your finger and get another ship. Exactly. It takes time. So we know that eventually we'll be able to look through this massive hump in shipping. Now, I don't think in terms of this massive um, hump in terms of cost and disruption, eventually it will return to some type of normality, but it probably won't return back to the costs that it was quite no. some time ago, where basically shipping companies were um, really not making that much money
1: at all. Yeah. And uh, so it also, also comes back to that word that you use every single show we've done for the last 133 shows. Yep. It's all about diversity. It is. It is. Correct. Yep.
0: And, and, and you know, we, we, you know like, you've got it at the moment where, if you think about diversification, imagine if you had a factory in Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch at the moment. You would be, oh, you'd be, you know, you'd be so grateful. mm but if you had moved everything to Auckland, you would be like, Bugger, we never thought about this. You know, who would have thought <laughs> yeah, that right. Auckland as a city, the powerhouse of the nation, you know, forty two percent of its or something like that, forty two percent of its our country's GDP is in lockdown. Yeah. Or no, you wouldn't. No, you just wouldn't have no, thought you it. Wouldn't. So um and look, you know, there's you know, there is a little bit of economic carnage that comes from that, certainly. But those business that but those businesses that chose possibly at a slightly greater cost and therefore less profit, but to have a diversified approach, they're doing pretty well now.
1: They yeah, are indeed. Now we're just about out of time. And yep. do you want to finish on uh, one of your favourite songs? What is it? Absolutely. So given that the fact we've done one hundred and thirty three Canny
0: View radio shows five years of canny view and the hawks Better day i thought that we'd go for a scottish theme. now i'm not talking like um you know 500 miles or anything yeah. like that but <laughs> there's a really cool song that i've always liked since i was a kid and uh it's by a gentleman he's a bit of a larrikin frankie miller and it's a song called caledonia now caledonia of course is what the romans called scotland indeed so caledonia by frankie miller and uh, it's a good tune and he's a bit of a larrikin, and, and I recall listening to an interview with Frankie, and he said he'd was he he'd been on a bit of a bender over in Europe. He was a little bit homesick, and he was sitting on the coast, and he was singing Caledonia to himself, and he said, I'm going to make this song great. <laughs> and it actually became a Tenants Lager advert. And, uh, yeah, anyway.
1: It's it's a good tune. Okay, so, before we get to the song, just remind our listeners want to come and see for some sound financial advice. Where are you? We are at 204 Karamu Road in Hastings, the
0: black basalt stone building with the Tartan logo, and we're also on the terrace in Wellington.